When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Daniel Ricciardo has won the Italian Grand Prix, his first victory in three years, and the first victory for McLaren in nine years. It was a McLaren 1-2 for the team, with Lando Norris taking the second spot on the podium, and Valtteri Bottas taking third after an excellent comeback from the back of the grid. Meanwhile, it was a disastrous day for the title contenders with Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton clashing, the Red Bull car winding up on top of the Mercedes, and as a result, neither driver finishing the race. Max Verstappen has since been penalised for the accident, receiving a three-place grid penalty and two penalty points on his licence, and we're going to get into all of the discussions surrounding that later in the podcast. There is a lot to unpick today. There were many stories today that we probably won't get round to discussing, but we're going to have a good go. And joining me to do so is Jess McFadden, Director of Digital Strategy for Motorsport Network, Hayden Cobb, Editor of Autosport, and a very special guest, Harry Benjamin, podcaster and commentator. Harry, Hayden, it is lovely to have you joining us. Harry, first of all, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I'm good, thank you. Uh, a hectic race this afternoon. Sunday's always a bit busy, but uh, yeah, very happy to be on. Thank you for having me. And Hayden, it's also your first time joining us on the Autosport podcast. How are you feeling? Yeah, well, good. Thank you very much. It's been a, been a busy one, but uh, we managed to get through it just about. So uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend. It is an absolute pleasure having you joining us today, Harry, and also yourself, Hayden. We can't wait to get stuck into the conversation. Now, you guys may not know, but we always like to kick off the podcast with a race rating. So that is exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to go to Jess first so that you can, you know, sort of see a baseline for how we tend to rate. And then we will come to you guys. So Jess, what are you going to give today's Yeah, again, a tricky race to rate only because I think up until the uh, Red Bull pit stop, it looked like it was going to be quite dull. Um, it looked like it was just going to be quite easy to maintain. It was really tricky to overtake out there. Wasn't going to be too much uh, of a change in the running order. But then we do get gifted these moments. Well, again, I say gifted, depends on if you're a Red Bull or Mercedes fan, I guess. Um, but we get gifted with these weird happenings. Um, and all of a sudden everything gets thrown into question. We have a bunch of things happening up and down the field. We had drivers making mistakes. We had, uh, penalties and, and uh, it was so in, after that, it was quite entertaining. Um, not so much of a, a, a huge strategy race, but there were some interesting strategies going up and down most 
interestingly, I guess from Mercedes, um, pulling out Lewis Hamilton on hard tires on the grid when he's in P4 and everyone kind of turning around and thinking, what on earth is going on over here? Uh, but it ended up, you know, it could have been a blinder of a strategy had we seen how that played out, but we didn't. So I'll get to my rating. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly cautious only because again, I think had we not had the craziness, um, happening, it, it might have been, it might have been very, very different. Um, but you know, second half of that race, it was full heart pounding kind of edge of your seat moments. So, and obviously a great, great result for, for McLaren in the end. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't amazing, but I think it had enough that we'll be talking about this race, uh, I think, for, for the rest of the season. Okay, solid seven. That is a decent, decent rating. Harry, what are you going to give it out of 10? I mean, I find it very difficult to uh, disagree with a lot of what Jess has said there. It was a bit of a danger that it was going to be a bit of a start. But I was also thinking the number seven, but actually I'm going to go with an eight. Because to see Daniel Ricciardo on the top step of the podium once again, and a McLaren one too, and we had fights, you know, down the field as well. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of how Latifi got ahead of the the two Alpines at one point. He then obviously fell back a bit, but George Russell had a bit of a quiet race, getting into ninth once again as well. So there was action sort of all the way through the field. We didn't see much of it because naturally the headlines were taken by Verstappen and Hamilton, um, which... Again, added to the spice and drama, Perez and Bottas both coming through as well. Leclerc looked at one point that he was going to challenge. So for me, it had all the right ingredients. I think to get a full 10, we were robbed of some of those things playing out by the safety car and obviously by Verstappen and Hamilton uh, early retirements. Uh, But overall, I'd say that was a solid eight from me. Okay, one up on Jess. Hayden, what are you giving it? Well, I'll definitely go one up again and give it a nine out of 10. Wowee! Um, I think you've been... Underselling it a bit, Daniel Ricciardo winning for McLaren in first time in forever. Uh, the two title contenders clashing. Bottas going from from last to P three could have won, should have won maybe. The safety car came out. Strategy played it as you said. Hamilton stuck on the hards looked like a bad move. Then it could have easily been uh, the race winning strategy. So there was a lot in it, and, and as Harry said, the, the midfield that we didn't see much of. There was plenty going on. Giovinazzi had a great start, and then Biff one of the Ferraris, which. Probably not a good idea for given his current situation. Um, and just plenty of stories up and down the grid that nobody really had a, a boring race necessarily. Okay. I'm wondering, I think, Jess, I think if- what I'm trying to do, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I feel like maybe I've gone in too conservative. We're quite and I feel like going first, there's a bit of pressure on me. So, I mean, maybe I would, maybe I'd go to more towards Harry's eight. I mean, I think it was a great race, but I think, I don't know, maybe it's because Ariana, I'm used to, I'm used to Luke <laughs> yes. uh, giving his ratings on the Sunday and he can be, he can be quite conservative. And I always get cautious that I don't want to look like an absolute fangirl and just be like, what do you mean? That was amazing. Maybe hey, Aiden's brought me up maybe a, a touch, maybe seven's a bit harsh considering considering the ratings that we have given other races this season, maybe maybe a seven was a bit harsh. It's that Daniel Ricciardo uh, disposition. You've got to have to see a bit of sunshine and everything. <laughs> yeah, fair play. I am going to go for an eight as well. Initially, I was feeling a little bit more conservative, but I think that maybe we rate a little bit harshly, Jess, in our usual podcasts. We do air a bit conservatively <laughs> for the two new guests to come in and up us immediately. So yeah, I will go with an eight. I'll take that. Um, I think it was a really, really... Yeah, dramatic at times, exciting. Like you said, Daniel Ricciardo, finishing up P1 is a brilliant outcome as well. But let's get straight into it. Of course, we are going to get to Lewis and Max, and that is probably going to take up the majority of our time. So first of all, I do want to give some time to our podium because fantastic job by McLaren. Daniel Ricciardo putting in an absolutely brilliant performance today. Lando putting in a fantastic performance as well and really showing how mature he is, a team player, doing what's best for the team. Let's talk about the McLarens. And you guys don't need to wait for me to do the rounds of all of you. Let's just have a full-on chat about today's race. Harry, you're up first. Daniel on the top step. Lando P2. Beautiful day for McLaren. Oh, what a day. There, if anyone wasn't smiling come the end of the race, then you can't call yourself an F1 fan, I don't think. You know, we've been waiting for this moment. Can you believe that's the first one-two for a team this season? When I read that, I thought, God, 
actually, that's that's mad that McLaren have got the first one-two of the season. And to have Daniel Ricciardo on the top step, it was really interesting. I did think it might get a little bit tense at points with good old Lando coming over the radio and trying to initiate some sort of team order play. But you know what? Props to Lando for, for really, you know, playing the team game there. They were both able to up their pace and, and keep the gaps and cr- crucially be able to keep the Ferraris and that, and Bottas, who really looked like he was a threat at one point. I would have put him for the win actually halfway through coming at the rate of knots he was from the back of the grid overtaking proving just a little bit too difficult once again Ram Monza we talk about I mean it's easier than Zandvoort obviously but we talk about how it's a, a lot easier to overtake in Monza but it's still a bit too difficult with these cars and I think that just put pay to, to Bottas's uh, move up through the ranks which saved I think uh, Ricardo and, and Norris uh, from losing out on a, on a one-two and just you can't not smile at that. Norris, team player, Ricardo finally seems to be on it as well after the uh, the summer break. He seems to have found his mojo. Hopefully it's not a one-off. And McLaren, you know, they came into this weekend seeming like they were going to be fast anyway. Their straight line speed has proven that and uh, able to convert that. And it was all in Ricardo's start, really, wasn't it, to get ahead of Verstappen and he never looked back. Yeah, well, they, McLaren came into the race knowing that this track was going to be one of their strong points. Um, somewhat ironically at the the home of their, their biggest rivals in the Constructors' Championship being Ferrari. Um, but in terms of where the car characteristics are and where the car's at the moment, podiums look like sort of the bare minimum. And as the weekend was progressing, obviously Bottas was going in with the, the grid penalty, um, Perez was slightly further back, and, and where they were qualifying, there was it was always on. And then come the end of the sprint, when you've got Ricardo starting on the front row, and he said straight out um, that if he gets into turn one in, in the lead, the chance for a win is on. Norris didn't feel so confident, but I think that sort of still shows perhaps his, his own self-belief in, in what was possible. But in a fair play to, to, to Danny Rick, he pretty much um, predicted exactly how the race was going to go in his most optimistic way. Now, obviously, he wouldn't have predicted the, the certain clash between Verstappen and Hamilton, and, and, and granted that played a key key factor in in the outcome of the race. But um, they demonstrated the pace that they had both in, in the sprint and in a single lap. Um, the car, yeah, went, worked well. The pit stops were, were perfect. So you, you can't really begrudge them of, of where that was going for them. All round, it sort of delivered as as expected. But um, Andreas Seidel, after, after the race, the um, team mixed ball did remind the media and sort of remind everyone that, in his words, they got destroyed at Zandvoort just seven days ago. A bit harsh, but I can see where he's coming from, saying that, yes, they're strong here and certain tracks they can be strong, but they want to be strong everywhere. They want to be fighting for podium for wins everywhere. That's the, the whole point of their project now. And they can't do that currently. They they know that there's options in the future, and probably this year that won't be the case. This could be the, the high point. They've got a project going and they've got a plan going. This is arguably just one step on it, going back to the top, basically. And I think the thing that stood out to me today was that they were a team very much in control. Everything, every scenario that was thrown their way, they both drivers and team seemed to have it completely and utterly under control. They were very clearly talking about plan A, plan B. And I know that we hear that from all the teams. It's not just McLaren, but we did have this very clear understanding from the drivers to their engineers and then what was going on. And all the, even with certain chaos and safety cars, I mean, at, at points I thought they were at risk from restarts, uh, given the position they were in and the fact that we had a very pacey looking Bottas at one point, um, that that could be at risk. But they seem to manage it really, really, really well. And I think it is real testament to how far they've they've come. I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's been nine years since their last win. It's been 11 years since their last one too. They've had a journey, right? The, the journey of getting here has been enormous. And as Hayden said, it's they, they've got a program, they're pushing forward and they couldn't have wanted a better outcome after the disappointment of Zanvoort to get a one-two for the team is is an incredible result and just shows how far they've come. But how far that continues, as again as Hayden pointed out, when when we don't know and McLaren aren't one hundred percent sure. But in terms of their title fight, they couldn't have asked for for more. Um, it's going to stand them in real good stead against Ferrari. Um, and yeah, I think it was it was fully well deserved. A really commanding, assured race considering they're not used to being out in front they're not used to have to managing what it the pressure that comes from having to manage pace out front so um I thought it was just a, a, just an overall just I mean there were things that went their way 
But as I said, they managed them completely and utterly uh, flawlessly. So yeah, amazing day for the McLaren team. I think it must have helped though as well. Daniel Ricciardo, you know, he, he is, I suppose, used to winning races and, and managing things from the start. So at least they had that experienced head where perhaps Lando isn't quite there yet either. You forget, you know, he's, he is a few seasons in, obviously, but he hasn't got the same perhaps race experience in winning, controlling, restarting after safety cars as, as Ricciardo has. So I think McLaren really benefited from uh, having Ricciardo out up front and in the lead as well. So there wasn't a need to try any of these team tactics and reversing them. They could feel confident in their strategy, having Ricardo leading the way out front, which I, I think just to add to what Justin Hayden already said, really, again, boosted them with the confidence and, and made it an assured drive. Norris, to me, actually stood out in particular. I think, I think you know, Danny Rick definitely did a great job out front, managed it really so well, got the calls right. Norris really impressed me today. His, his ballsiness is really impressive he has no fear you know every time he needed to show strength and not crack under pressure he delivered today the defending against Hamilton earlier early on in the race absolutely masterclass you know and I know we know it's not as we've kept pointing out it's not as easy to overtake around here but he also got a really ballsy overtake um, uh, around Curva Grande um, on Charles Leclerc when he needed to get that position back. And I just think that he is showing all the signs of an absolute world-class driver. We already know Daniel Ricciardo is a very good driver and potentially world-class. He Lando being so young and showing all this promise this early on in his career is massively exciting. And I think, you know, he was he was the perfect team player today, but he was also an out-and-out racer today. And and it was just just massively impressive. Yeah, it was a stellar performance across the board, as you said, Jess. And I think that the maturity that we've spoken about so many times before from Lando Norris and the massive progress that he has made definitely shone through today. And like you said, Harry, I was also thinking the fact that they had that experienced head at the front probably did comfort them a little bit. Um, they had that reassurance, you know, he's, he's been there before. He knows how to, di- to deal with these situations. I just was really impressed at how they did, how they handled this whole weekend. And I'm really glad that they got the reward that they wanted. I know before the race, we thought, you know, we're probably going to have at least a podium from one of them. To have them on the top step with a one-two, absolutely incredible end to their weekend. Of course, the third spot on the podium was Valtteri Bottas, who also had a really impressive day. And to be honest, got the uh, reward that he potentially may not have had. Jess, you tweeted yesterday saying, you know, the fact that he's had these incredible drives on Friday, sprint as well, brilliant. And then he had to start at the back is like a very Bottas situation. But he managed to bring it back round for himself and got himself that spot on the podium. So good for him that he got that reward and recognition. But what did you make of the drive through the field from Bottas? Where has this been? <laughs> That's what I keep saying. Like, where has this been? I mean, I know a mixture of it is, is that he is playing number two to Lewis Hamilton. We've, you know, I don't want to go over old arguments and, you know, he needed to be given the right strategy. He needed to have the right, um, you know, support from the team and that kind of a thing. And everything I think came together today for him really well. But where has this been? Like, why do it now when you're already out to alpha and you're not in the mix for the world championship this season? It's just massively frustrating. I know people think I have a real vendetta against Bottas. I don't. It's the fact that he has these performances in in him, but he just can't deliver consistently enough to make him world championship material. He was incredible today. He was absolutely incredible. The, the, the speed at which he was making up places around a track you can't overtake on was absolutely so impressive. But, like, it's too late. <laughs> we needed this from you right at the start of the season. Like, you know, we, we, we say, I can't believe McLaren only has a one-two. We've got the two top teams with number two drivers that aren't delivering. That's why we don't have a one-two. That's why we have the first one-two of the season. So, like, I'm I'm happy for him. And yeah, okay, maybe slightly overshadowed by the fact that we've got this Max and Lewis incident and the fact that we've got two McLarens on the uh, MP1 and P2. He had a great race. He deserves a lot of praise. But, like, just keep, keep it up like keep doing this this is what we want to see from you this is what you've always told us was there and that's what is just (laughs) hugely frustrating I wish that we had video of this because this is the most passionate outburst that I've seen of just her hands are flying I I feel a little bit 
I feel a little bit like, you know, the Tyra Banks meme yeah. when she's like, we were all rooting for you. Like, I feel very much like Tyra Banks right now. I don't know if that's oh, a good or bad God. comparison to be making, but it's just, it, it, it's just like, you've got it in you. You've got the car. You've got, you had every opportunity. <laughs> just anyway, I'll stop. Otherwise I'll carry on. Hayden, please take it away from me. <laughs> I think if you wanted to, to sum up Valtteri Bottas over the last season, maybe two seasons, it was in that race and it was arguably in the whole weekend in terms of doing some brilliant bits, but that might not necessarily matter. And then struggling when it really does matter. So going from P19 to what he's sixth or seventh place, I forget when the safety car was, was out, but he did that unbelievably, like cleared pretty much the whole midfield in 22 laps. Wonderful. Um, then he pitted, obviously was on the medium tyres, everyone else was on the, in front of him, was in, on the hard tyres, so he's got the tyre advantage, at least early on, and the car advantage. Sure, he did clear a, few, a couple of cars, the Ferraris here and there, but then just seemed to get stuck. Now, obviously, toes and, and car performance does come into it, because it wasn't as if, say, for example, Hamilton was, was blasting by the McLarens and the Red Bulls um, early in the race, but that was the moment he really needed just to, to fire it up the inside and just just go for it because the opportunity was there for him to win that race. He just needed to be bolder. And you're right, in terms of the nothing to lose, okay, he's probably got one thought in his head about the Constructors' Championship still fighting for Mercedes and, and Perez being sort of the, the opposition in that sense. But he could have very easily have won today and, and had sort of minimal risks to take and just gone, yeah, this is it. This I may be leaving, but this is my statement. I'm still a good driver and I've still got more to prove and and to do and he just sort of didn't which means that p3 is great and like the overall weekend was 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 amazing but he's not going to get like the, the 10 out of 10 driver races i assume i don't know i'm not not seeing them yet <laughs> but um we love to do that on this podcast hayden we love we love to assume what alex is going to be giving the drivers <laughs> and the driver ratings like well if i was in charge i'd not <laughs> definitely not give him a 10 out of 10 but it, it was so in, in short it was a weekend that sort of summed up Bottas just over the the last few months really he does miss that final bit of pizzazz compared to, you know, Hamilton, especially. And as you say, just there is the element of, you know, he's got to play the team game. He's going to, you know, if they're both having a great time and they're both one and two and Bottas is in front, he's not going to finish first because Hamilton is going to be uh, put in front of him. But, you know, I would have liked to, have, I, I wonder what would have happened if, you know, we hadn't have had the sprint this weekend. Would it have been a Bottas weekend throughout? Would, you know, and if Hamilton had had issues, would it have been a Bottas pole and a Bottas win from lights to flag? I have a strong suspicion it would have been, and then if you add in the Ham- Hamilton element, then it might have been a, a pole to second place. But you would have known that the win would have been there. So in that respect, I, I really rate Bottas quite highly for this weekend, but it doesn't happen consistently enough. And he just, yeah, he misses that that final edge where he's, you know, willing to just throw it all on the line and get right down the inside like, like a Max Verstappen. That has its own, you know, uh, penalties to go with it. But at the same time, sometimes you need that if you want to stake your claim as to why you should be a a title contender but you know he's got his future confirmed now and uh, and it was a reasonable drive to third and I, I thought it was a good a really good drive I would I wouldn't give it 10 out of 10 but it, it'd be right up there eight and a half maybe Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl that's ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner <laughs> I like how we're just throwing ratings at everything now. I'm enjoying this a lot, actually. <laughs> now, you mentioned Max Verstappen there, and we're 20 minutes into the podcast, and we need to move on to title contenders out of the race. Max started up the front of the pack, Lewis Hamilton starting down in P4. And they had a very, very big collision. So for anyone that hasn't watched, uh, it went under investigation and we have since had the outcome of that investigation. And the stewards have handed Max Verstappen a three-place grid penalty for the next race, which is obviously the Russian Grand Prix and two penalty points on his license. 
their statement explaining their reasoning. I'm just going to literally read it word for word. Car 44 was exiting the pits. Car 33 was on the main straight at the 50 meter board before turn one. Car 44 was significantly ahead of car 33. Car 33 braked late and started to move alongside car 44, although at no point in the sequence does car 33 get any further forward than just behind the front wheel of car 44. And that is pretty much the essence of why they have penalized Max the way they have. They said that he has not been, he was not significantly alongside Lewis to give him the right to racing room. Where do we start, guys? <laughs> Where do we start? I think we all had a suspicion that we may have contact between them again. Uh, but I don't know. I, I certainly wasn't expecting it quite this soon. Penalties have been handed out, but I want to know what your thoughts on the incident were. Hayden, let's go to you first. Your take on that collision. Okay, well, I think context of how the series of unfortunate or fortunate events, depending on your uh, preference, came about. And in a sense, it was all in the pits. So Verstappen, who was was fighting, obviously, for the lead, um, Ricardo pitted. Uh, so a lap later, that forced Verstappen to respond to get, sort of get any chance to try and uh, produce the overcut. Um, but he had, or his team, unfortunately had a, a bit of shocking pit stop, uh, over 10 seconds stationary, which just frankly just dropped him back to, to his other rivals rather than going forward. Obviously a couple of laps later, Hamilton comes in for his, for his stop. He has a, a, a better stop, but it's obviously still slightly slow compared to normal. Um, which just happens to put them on the track together effectively at the same, same time at the same point, which, um, is a recipe for disaster because we saw, obviously, on the first lap how they were going to greet each other in a shame instance. Um, <laughs> and very much it happened again, but in a slight role reverse of, right, well, I'm not going to back out. Uh, and that's going to cause a, a collision because Hamilton effectively did back out first time round to avoid a collision. Uh, he lost place to, um, as a result. Uh, he was a drop behind Norris, but this happened. As you say, and um, as the stewards decided, just yeah, didn't back out, um, even though he had the opportunity to, and that's probably where they're thinking of the penalties come from. Um, I, I certainly would partially agree with with what Christian Horner said, calling it a racing incident, but I can understand the penalty in terms of Verstappen had the opportunity to avoid um, the collision and and what followed, which was actually very serious and in in the cold light of it when the television replays came up. Um, pretty scary stuff. I think in the light in the light of it, and when all is said and done, it's probably fair for all parties to see that that was the the right outcome. I think really. When I saw it, I thought, "What the hell, Verstappen?" Uh, that was my immediate reaction, which I know was not a, a lot of people were rushing to say racing incident. And there's this, everyone saying, you know, he didn't he didn't leave me the gap. He didn't leave me the gap. He didn't, there was no space, and that. It, it takes two to tango. In my opinion on, on this collision, absolutely right for Verstappen to be penalised. Yes, both could have perhaps done more to avoid it, but Verstappen could have done a lot more to avoid it. There's a reason that we see so many cars running off across those sausage curbs uh, and cutting uh, that uh, chicane there because, you know, the gap is going to close and there's not going to be enough room to get two cars round uh, the second uh, corner and on the exit. So at the end of the day, it reminded me straight away and this might be completely irrelevant but the first thing I thought of and I don't know if you remember this was back in 2012 Pastor Maldonado it had a bit of a flair of Maldonadoism because I remember Valencia Maldonado battling Hamilton Hamilton edges him out onto a sausage curb and when you get up on those sausage curbs you you lose all control of your steering. Verstappen would have absolutely known that would have been a, a possible outcome here. So even if he'd wanted to try and avoid that last minute, he didn't have quite full control over his steering. The sausage curb, it will launch the car up. And that was why, you know, a major factor contributing to why we saw such a, a you know, high velocity incident there of, of Verstappen going right over Hamilton's roll hoop and, and, you know, damaging the halo as well. Once again, ticking the box for the halo, doing an amazing job. Verstappen could have done more, should have done more. He's fighting for a championship. He knows Hamilton's going to fight hard. Verstappen had more of a chance to avoid the collision and therefore the penalty is just, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's unfortunate, <laughs> really. If that's like probably the biggest understatement of the century. But I mean, in terms of like, there are so many variables at play. You know, Hamilton was on cold tyres. That corner for me, I mean, we saw 
that corner, the only way you're getting through that corner is if you bully somebody else to the racing line. Like, there's no other way of getting an overtake or a move done through there. It's all about who's the bravest driver, who's going to let that move go or not. So the very nature of getting through that and, and gaining positions through that is to bully. Now, in terms of who's going through that corner, two drivers that have absolutely every want, desire, passion to get around the other, we know that they're not going to let, they've, 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 they've made it very abundantly clear. They're not going to give in to the other anymore. They're going to go, they're going to go fully in. Um, but you know, but Harry's right. Like we, those sausage curbs cause a problem. The corner itself causes a bit of a problem. I mean, we hardly saw, it, it's rare that you see a real clean move through there, unless you're a Daniel Ricciardo and you've already got, you know, that much of distance in front of the car that you're trying to overtake through that section. So it's, it's a funny one. And I think the, the, the thing for me that's, that's the, t- the age old problem that we've got is the penalty system and the way that penalties are being applied. We have to be careful. It's going back to that Silverson incident. The, the, the stewards are not applying penalties based on outcome or they're not meant to be, right? They're not meant to do it on outcome. They're meant to do it on the incident itself. The fact that it was a scary crash, absolutely, you know, that needs to be looked at, but it's not meant to factor into the penalty that's being applied. Um, and nor, nor do I think on this occasion it has been. But the, the issue is, is that they took each other out. In Silverstone, Hamilton survived, was given a penalty, still managed to win um, because he's Lewis Hamilton. In this instance, both cars have been taken out. But if they want to apportion blame, how, okay, how do you punish a driver? You give them a grid penalty. But now everyone's saying, that's not fair. Lewis Hamilton only got a five-second time penalty. Is a three-place grid drop the same thing? You know, And obviously, those instances are separate it's not quite the same but it is about racing and it is about people going you know hard wheel to wheel battles which is what we want to see and we don't want to discourage in formula one because otherwise it's going to be dead boring (laughs) but it's it's one of those things where it's like i just feel flat knowing that we're going into russia with max on a three-place grid drop whilst i do agree and i remember when i first saw it i was like max there's no way you're getting through there mate like not in a million years you're not getting through there at the same time, you know, Lewis could have left a bit more space. And it, the stewards did the stewards did say that. Lewis could have left more space, but the space and gap closed and, and Max could have and should have pulled out of the of the manoeuvre. But yeah, I'm just like sat here thinking like I just don't feel like that's right. And I don't know if it's because I want a really good championship battle, but I just think there's something in innately wrong with the penalty system that it just it, yeah, it just fe- it just doesn't feel. I'm not coming away of it going, okay, yeah, fair play. Like Lewis's time penalty, I was like, I mean, I think he was pretty lucky to get five seconds, but there wasn't. Again, there wasn't really an option. Everyone was saying, oh, they could have given ten, they could have given more, they could have given a stop go. But I think you know that was quite extreme. Um, and again, every, it was fueled by that emotive reaction to what happened. I I think if it was me, I would have said it was a racing incident because of all the factors involved, the sausage curbs not helping uh Hamilton coming out on cold tires probably would know that he wouldn't have the same levels of grip and didn't relinquish the position Max going for a gap that no longer existed kind of Maldonado-esque I guess Harry I was quite shocked at your Maldonado that is uh, one hell of a comparison (laughs) I mean only because of a sausage curve analogy if anyone goes back and watches that Valencia race (laughs) the exact same thing happens but in Hamilton again and this time he can't can't control that car over a sausage curve if the sausage curve hadn't been there I wonder if the outcome would have been the same if the drivers sorry if the stewards aren't meant to award penalties based on outcome uh, is that evidence that they have so I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a strange one. We're probably going to debate it. I think the problem is, is when we have such marginal incidents like this, like neither of them, I would be, I'd be really interested to, to talk to the stewards and be like, what percentage are we saying is the majority here? Because to me, this is like 51, 49, um, which, you know, is, uh, is a three place grid, grid drop and, and two penalty points that, is that right? But what's what's the alternative? That's what I was when both about to cars ask. are out what's of the your race, alternative? both cars out. It's a grid. It's immediately a grid penalty. Is this again just highlighting the fact that we maybe have a flawed penalty system? I would say yes. Toto Wolf 
um, after the instant, yeah, called it a, a tactical foul to use a, a football comparison, um, which Christian Horner didn't, didn't take kindly to. But you know, those two don't tend to get what on. What was anything Christian Horner's response to Toto calling it a tactical foul? Because I've seen that that Christian had said it was a racing incident. Uh, Toto coming out a bit more strongly. Um, and I was just about to ask you guys, what do we make of this war of the words between team principals? Once again, we saw it after Silverson, of course, very uh, strong words from the Red Bull camp. But this time, Toto coming out saying it was a tactical foul and that Max probably knew that if Lewis stayed out, then the race win was gone. Yeah, when it comes to, to Horner and Wolf, we know they're probably arguing as competitive, if not more, than, than Verstappen and Hamilton themselves. And and they're going to give it their all for, for each of their drivers um, in any sort of way they can gain it. And, and of course, if somebody can apply pressure and apply um, a context around certain things they to, to basically gain favour or gain any sort of advantage, they're, they're going to do it. And, and of course, that's what Toto Wolff um, arguably has done. I actually don't think he went too strong with it. I think that was a, a fair sort of comparison, but obviously it's, it's riled up... Um, corner um but yeah I, and, and if you want to go push further that with the, the tactical foul that would be uh, a, a yellow card and three plus grid penalty arguably is a yellow card for Verstappen because it's not like a red where he's back of the grid or or anything more serious so yeah I, I think it all sort of joins up well but um it certainly doesn't help smooth over any sort of tensions between the two teams team managers drivers you name it um and that's going to go right down to to the wire Although I was I was quite surprised by the Red Bull camp, and I don't know if that was a bit more telling, because Christian, rather than out and out defending his driver tooth and nail, which is what we're used to seeing, he was he was very quick to call it a racing incident, which is unlike Christian. Like I, I like he's usually the one going egging people on to be like, no, you know, this definitely wasn't Max's fault. Um, which and and Max was was quite. And this was before he found out he was getting a penalty, obviously, and before he had to go see the stewards. But in the in the post race interviews, immediately after um, uh, him get, get, getting uh, knocked out of the race, he was very calm, and he was asked about, you know, do you think this is going to affect your racing with Lewis moving on? And he was like, no. We're racing drivers. And I know that he stuck to that line even after Silverstone. Both drivers were very quick um, in the race following to say, please, can we just drop the line about us going at each other's necks and we're going to crash into each other all the time? Like they, they're very, they, they want to nip that narrative in the bud straight away uh, from any of us asking them questions that are going to get as headlines. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's, it, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was slightly telling. And I wondered if that's because they knew they were on the back foot having seen replays and things. But I would also add in the, the lessons learned perhaps from the, the fallout of the Silverstone incident. Um, I'm saying this purely as a joke, so please don't come for me, but I'd love to see Rebel try and replicate the lines for that particular crash. <laughs> Alex Alvin's got one hell of a job on his hands um, <laughs> if he's going to do that. Um, but and also, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to bounce over those sausage curbs however many times trying to perfect <laughs> Max's line. That is not going to be a comfortable day out for Alex Alban. <laughs> exactly. So perhaps when Red Bull's general sort of reaction to, to that clash and, and ultimately what it didn't really provide them or what they were hoping to, they, they may have changed attack and, and, and arguably a bit more on the defensive this time than on, on, on the attack. Um, because it was a little bit shoes on the other foot now. Yeah, maybe this is Rebel thinking, we'll just avoid this one. They Because technically, Verstappen still leads the championship by uh, the margin that he came into on the Sunday. Obviously, he gained a couple of points on the on the Saturday through the sprint race. So, champ, drivers championship-wise, it actually wasn't the worst outcome ever. But we'll, we'll see how much of an effect it has, obviously, with the Russian Grand Prix and the grip penalty for Verstappen there. And I guess the other interesting thing at play is that we are expecting Hamilton to have to take uh, an engine penalty at some point this season. Whether or not they choose to do that uh, at any point soon or if that's going to also kind of come into the mix. But it's, uh, it's, it'd be interesting to see if, if, that's, um, if that also happens to impact any future grid lineups. 
Also, just on something Hayden said as well in, in that bit just before, and I, I wonder what what you guys think. The in terms of how Red Bull were so quick to to call it, you know, a, a racing incident rather than you know go on the attack per se. Because I mean, on the on the broadcast at least in the build up to the uh, incident post the poor pit stop, Verstappen coming on the radio sounding very, you know, very hot-headed, very angry. And then not long after the collision occurs and, and he's the attacking driver at the end of the day, he was the one coming into that corner behind Hamilton. So, you know, are they thinking that's not really a, that much of a leg to stand on right now because of, you know, we've seen Verstappen have a few hot-headed moments in the past. I think he's massively matured over the over the years as well as particularly this year. But was that a little example there of it creeping in? I don't know. I thought so when I first heard it because he, you know, told his engineer to shut up straight after the pit stop. Very upset about that. All and immediately on the back foot. Yeah, the emotional factor definitely can't be disregarded in in this as well. Emotions running high after Silverstone. That was that was all clear to see, and certainly immediately after the um, the, the crash uh, at Monza, um, Verstappen's emotions were were pretty obvious. He and he let the world see them. By the way, he um, stomped up um, pit lane and. To his garage, he you wouldn't say he necessarily needed to take that route, but um, he chose to and, and let his feelings known on on the situation. Um, but uh, that's that's part of the sport. That's why we love it, really, seeing that that gladiatorial sense, but also that emotion coming through, um, and that's what drives people to sort of find out more on what's going on with with these drivers. So you don't want to lose that, um, but obviously it, it does play a role in in the outcome of of certain fights and certain uh, battles. And on the topic of the fights and battles, in terms of the championship fight on a wider level as opposed to just looking at today's race, what do you think this second collision, this second big collision means for the championship fight? Because after Silverstone, we were all sort of like, oh, this is going to change things going forward. This could really mess things up between the two drivers even though you know the drivers have also like we just said towed the line of you know we're drivers and we keep it respectful what do you think this is going to do moving forward now because this is you know strike number two how do you think the drivers will approach things going forward for the remaining races i really don't think it would change from either of them to be honest i think they're both very strong-headed very strong-minded neither want to give an inch one's a multiple world champion and one is desperate to get his world championship and his name is max verstappen i i don't personally want them to change their approach and i don't think they will either and i don't think the teams will encourage it either i think you know it, it helps a little bit of the spectacle of the sport obviously we don't want to see these collisions happen on a regular basis but my oh my do they spice things up ever so slightly but i'd rather see them go back you know wheel to wheel bang wheels and carry on through the corner and still finish the race they're both keeping their line they're both in this to win it and it's you know it's win or nothing essentially to both of them which is a a, a top athlete mindset yeah i agree in terms of the the approach on track um won't necessarily change i think it's again it's very difficult to predict because it's but moment by moment corner by corner it, the context around the situations changes it's it's very very hard to to draw, yeah, that comparison. But but in terms of how they walk away from from this race in particular, it was meant to be a Mercedes walkover, um, and Verstappen has edged out his Champions League championship lead just uh, fractionally. Um, yes, the circumstances around it weren't weren't ideal, but you you'd argue say he comes out a a, a small win of that, but whether it becomes a a bigger win, and we'll, unfortunately we won't know until come the end of the season and how the, uh, the points tally up. But um, yes, um, both getting zero on the Sunday certainly isn't the worst thing for Stappen to hear uh, as he flies home tonight. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good to know also that Lewis Hamilton is feeling okay as far as we know because it was a nasty crash as we've said. So most importantly, the drivers are okay. So important to emphasize that. Let's park the Max versus Lewis incident. Let's park the podium and let's move a bit further down the pack. And let's go to Max's teammate, 
Sergio Perez. Of course, he got a five-second penalty because of his pass on Charles Leclerc and not taking and not giving the position back. Rather, what did we make of Checo today? His performance, the choice not to give the place back, and then, of course, the fact that he got the penalty after. That was a slam dunk, stupid decision by Red Bull. They came out saying, "Oh, Michael Massey didn't get back to us and tell us that we have to give it back." Anyone who knows anything about motor racing knows he gains an advantage. He has to give the place back. So I'm like, I'm genuinely a little bit boggled that these absolute utter experts just just dropped the ball on that. I don't know like what was going on. Um, and obviously maybe there was more going on behind the scenes that we're not party to. But that to me seems absolutely and utterly ridiculous that they did that. And just, just he didn't need to get that penalty. He, you know, he clearly, he was pacey. He was racy. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. You know, he was definitely fighting. He had, he, he was the Sergio Perez that we've, that we know. And he could have got on the podium today and they threw it all away at, over something as silly as going over the sausage curbs and overtaking. Like genuinely frustrating again. Just, just pull it together. Like, just don't do that. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's Get easy it for me to say. Get it together, Checo. Come on. Get it together. Get it together, Red Bull. Like, come on now. Like, does Michael Massey have to tell you how to do everything? Because most of the time, most of the time, it's, it sounds like they're telling Michael Massey how to do his job. Jonathan so Wheatley really is the biggest Karen going, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I speak to your manager, please, every bloody time? It's brilliant, though. But I, yeah, I, I think I agree with Jess there. Not, not a lot more to add on that one in terms of you know he he was in the hunt for uh for for that podium without that that he could have got that move done cleanly if he'd just given it up straight away you know and they'd already had this issue earlier on in the weekend as well so i don't understand why they making the same mistakes twice but at least perez was showing a, a little bit more pace like the old perez of new but i just can't get over the curse of this second seat at red bull it, you know no matter what driver you stick in but that's a that's a debate for a whole nother time i think but yeah Decent run to fifth, but could have been much more. Yeah, I very much agree. Um, in terms of where that second seat sort of puts the drivers, obviously Perez not doing great in qualifying, but they also put them on the back foot by sort of giving toes. Um, yeah, it really sort of reduces their chances of having that two-pronged attack yet again. Um, but but arguably, again, you, you could say it could have been a bit of a backup for, for Perez in terms of picking up the pieces. But as we've, yeah, as you guys have said, um, I totally agree. Um, we've almost dropped the ball in terms of getting the strategy calls right. Or, and, and indeed, just, just making sure the, the driver's clean to, to take advantage of the McLarens perhaps late on. But, um, with that penalty overhang him, he was just never really in, in, in chance to really make anything count. I think at the end of the day, coming into this race, if, you know, all had gone smoothly and, and we still had the outcome of Verstappen, you know, and, and Hamilton both coming out, Perez should have been in a position to win that race for Red Bull. That's what he's employed to do. If Verstappen can't win it, Perez should be there to do that. And he wasn't again comes back to his qualifying performances I think really that's where he needs to look the race is not the problem for Perez it's the qualifying yeah certainly it's something that we've touched on on the Friday and Saturday podcasts as well qualifying is definitely the weak spot uh in his armor uh now Harry as you are our special guest and you are leaving us soon I want you to take the pick on which driver slash team you want to discuss next who are you going to go for? It can be because they did a good performance or it can be because you were unimpressed with their performance, but you get to choose. You know what? I, I would like to talk about Antonio Giovinazzi and uh, Alfa Romeo, however brief that conversation might be. What an epic start they in. Battling for fifth, I think, with, with the two Ferraris. It could have been an absolutely stonking weekend. Home race, under pressure for a seat, left, right and centre. And how often is it every time Giovinazzi's under pressure for a seat, which has been every single year he's been at Alfa Romeo, um, he suddenly plucks some time out of somewhere and performs and just about saves his seat. This could have been the moment to do that. You know, you look at Formula 2, Teo Porcher, very much in the hunt for that seat as well. Guan Yu Zhou, you've got other outsiders there having good weekends. Juvenazzi needed to have a strong point scoring weekend here and it looked like that was possible, 
perhaps well no it was his own doing actually because he didn't rejoin in a safe manner when uh, rejoining the track after being uh, biffed off by uh, one of the Ferraris um, and that, just that one simple move cost him a point and you know, where did he finish in the end down in 13th just ahead of his teammate Robert Kubica I think this was a really crucial weekend for Giovinazzi and I think this is the nail uh, in the coffin for him um, in terms of uh, you know, I don't think that seat is his anymore He, I think this weekend he needs to pull something out of the bag and I think it's too little too late now would very much agree on that. I do feel for him because the car obviously isn't super and it's not been developed for, for a number of races. Everyone's sort of well known, so he's he's working with what he's got. But but as you said, Harry, earlier, points minimum were, were on the table today. Um, added in, yeah, those who retired, um, both Alpha Tauris, obviously dropping out the race earlier doors as well. Um, things was opening up for for him in that in that race. But like you say, a brilliant start to the race and then an equally rubbish uh, sort of next half of the lap um, pretty much summed up. And it was a, a similar sort of story in Zambor as well in terms of really sort of a, an impressive qualifying, good start. And then it just all falls apart as the race progresses on. And, and yeah, to find himself back in, in P13 is it's just, yeah, very, very sort of disappointing, especially when you look at the the other teams that did pick up points, uh, William Dauphine, etc. He was... He was well ahead of them at certain points um, throughout the weekend. But, um, yeah, goes home with nothing. And, yeah, he did say that he's been given a couple of races to sort of prove himself. Arguably, they probably have been and gone. Okay, we'll take Belgium out of the equation because that's a bit harsh on him. But, um, yeah, the the last two shows it from flashes, but just doesn't deliver when he really needs to. Um, And Alfa may have shown that they don't need a team leader now that Brighton has gone as they've signed after Bottas to do that role. Um, so a young gun is, is, is the obvious choice if it's not Giovinazzi and there's plenty to choose from, um, because of the way the market's gone. And Alpha really do have the sort of pick of the bunch, really. So yeah, I would, I would arguably say, unfortunately, it, it's not looking good for him, but we've been to the surprise before. You never know. Things could, could change. Jess, what do you think? Do you think Antonio Giovinazzi's time is up at Alpha Romeo? And do you think that if it is up, that that's fair? Yeah, I've just been too many mistakes on a Sunday, especially on the opening laps that have, again, taken him from a points position, which for Alpha is everything, especially because Williams had uh, George's P2. Um, They need to be grabbing every point that they can get uh, to be able to have any chance of staying um, in a decent position for championship uh, prize money at the end of the year. You can't afford that. It was almost like, you know, I've I've kept wanting to tweet you know, looks like Antonio's out. And then on Saturday, he's like, bam, two weekends in a row. I'm going to get into Q3. Insane performance. Opening lap. See you later. All throws it all away. So it's like, well, you've just undone all the hard work you've done. And, and that's not what the team needs. The team needs stability. So, um, yeah, I think, I think unfortunately, because he's like the nicest guy as well, like genuinely protect that man at all costs. But and his that's... And his, and his hair, hair. Yeah. even even if even if Vasseur keeps wanting to chop it off, um, his Instagram but, captions as well are just pure poetry. Oh, he's just what just what a wonderful like. Genuinely, I don't think there's a bad bone in his body. Just everything just radiates sunshine. It does feel like kicking a puppy, doesn't it? Like off you go out of Formula One. See you later. But I think you know he's he's done the job that Alfa Romeo needed him to do. A little bit of a seat warmer, but with potential. I mean, seat warmer. He's done. A, he's been there for a, quite a few seasons now, so good job. But again, maybe we could say Valtteri's done the same. I do not anticipate him getting a contract renewal for 2022. And um, to sort of end on a, on a positive note for, for Antonio, there is a certain Ferrari hypercar project just around the corner that needs drivers. So, well, there you go. I'm sure he might have some uh, some uses for that. Oh, there we go. We're he is suggesting next steps, even though he has not formally been <laughs> announced that he will not be returning. And we're here, you know, with career plans for him. Very considerate of us there. Thank you, Hayden. Uh, now, we have very little time left because, as expected, the main stories have rightly dominated the podcast. But let's talk about a couple of other teams before we wrap things up. Let's talk about Ferrari, simply because we're in Monza, and I feel like we should talk about Ferrari. Uh, I want to also talk about George Russell, points finish. Didn't really get much airtime, as we said, because the top stories dominated. And Alpha Tauri, because 
they had double DNF. Let's, well, not even a start for Yuki. Let's go. Who wants to take Ferrari first? A little bit on the forgettable side, which is a bit uh, not what they want for the uh, for their home race. But you know, where did Leclerc finish fourth? And Signs in sixth. Uh, Signs didn't look like he quite had the pace to match Leclerc, who who did actually have some good signs and some strong pace in in that middle stint as well. I thought he might have been one of the big benefactors from the uh, from the safety car period uh, brought out. Um, but kept, I think that was actually, I think he got the max out of the car. To be honest, kept you know. A few seconds back from Valtteri, kept Perez at bay and then Sainz just behind him as well, thoroughly over his teammate, considering the up and down weekend Leclerc has had, you know, uh, with the engine braking issues, I think it was in practice and also having a, a bit of a, a nightmare as well. At one point, wanted to come in, not quite saying why he wanted to box as well, feeling a, a little bit unwell. So I think Leclerc will be happy with a, a P4. Shame not to go on the podium in their home race, but it's coming. I mean, look at Ferrari this time last year. You know, they would have grab this in a heartbeat I think if you told them they would always want more they want to be one and two but uh, I think Leclerc will be happy with that signs probably not so happy what left with a little bit of wanting to do but I'm I'm not too sure if I'm honest why signs couldn't quite match Leclerc um this this uh weekend I don't know if Hayden has any more information on that but um I think they'll take a, a fourth and six it's more solid points but crucially McLaren one and two and that is the big deal and that is the big issue if it had been a normal um you know Mercedes Verstappen then I think Ferrari would be much happier with that than they probably are on the, the signs one um nothing out on towards but I guess his big Saturday morning practice uh crash has a potential answer to it not that the car was in any uh poor shape form but he did sort of admit, admit lacking that confidence but she felt it was restored in the sprint race um and, and like you say it wasn't too far off, but was yeah was lacking here and there a little bit to the Kirk, which is a largely the, the story of of his season. Obviously, he's adapting to the team, so you can't really yeah, dig too much to him, into him. But yes, as as you say, um, wasn't the best, wasn't the worst result for Ferrari. But with the context of where McLaren finished in at the Italian Grand Prix, um, that's the the most painful thing for for Ferrari for the Tifosi. Um, which, which remarkably were, were pretty muted. I know, obviously, the the attendance at Monza was was capped um, due to the COVID restrictions, but it it certainly didn't feel like um, an original proper uh, raw uh, Italian Grand Prix at, at Monza this time around. Um, hopefully, um, that can 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 ch- return for next year, and maybe Ferrari in themselves can return to the podium. Maybe that's what the trick will be to to turn it all around. And it was it was a shame because it seemed like they they actually looked but uh, from about lap thirty eight thirty nine they got the hard switched on and they actually closed the gap to 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 Bottas and they looked at a time actually to be threatening the the, the top runners they were closing in but I think the length of time it took them whether that was because they were managing tires and then pushing once they knew that they had the life in them to get to the end and maybe that was a miscalculation or we know that the Ferrari has a bit of a problem uh, often with the higher uh, the harder compound tire actually switching that on that um maybe that that was something in there as well but they they looked like they looked reasonably competitive when we're talking about Ferrari slightly vulnerable at the restarts maybe because of getting those tires switched on again but Leclerc seemed pretty happy with P4 um and you know Science I think is probably just very glad to see the back of Monza um so yeah I think moving forward they 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 just need to have a look into that that tire switching on situation because uh, it's something that keeps kind of bugging them on certain tracks and certain compounds and let's now talk about the next two topics. George Russell in the points, but I actually want to touch more maybe on AlphaTauri. Do we know what the situation was? Hayden, maybe aimed at you here, with the AlphaTauri cars and why we had such a disappointing day for them. Um, so they're still investigating as as we record now. Um, in, in terms of what happened to Pierre, it seems to be some sort of engine configuration gone <laughs> gone horribly wrong because uh, yeah, completing three laps with arguably a new power unit is um, it's not the way forward. But um, yes, and then a, a diagnosing issue for Sonoda on, on the grid equally um, far far from ideal, and that just no, didn't even start the race. So yeah, for for overall for AlphaTauri to go in the space of twelve months from from winning the Italian Grand Prix to complete, completing a total of three laps between the two cars is is not great, but um, Yes, there's obviously context around that. Um, 
pretty, pretty bruising weekend for them. But um, it also um, stops their points run. I mean, they're the only team to score points every every round this year. Um, unfortunate again where it came from for the team's home race. Um, but all good things have to come to an end at some point. They do indeed. And that's a lovely cue because the podcast has to come to an end as well. Nicely done, Hayden. <laughs> nice setup there. We have to draw things to a close, even though there are actually a lot more stories that we have not been able to touch on. Stroll, of course, is under investigation for failing to slow under the yellow flags. But we have not heard anything as we draw to a close here. But of course, Autosport and Motorsport.com will keep you updated with the news as soon as it comes out. But thank you guys for joining me. It was so nice having some new voices joining us. Harry, our special guest, an absolute pleasure. Hope you enjoyed your debut on the Autosport podcast. Hayden, I hope you enjoyed your time joining us as well and Jess as ever lovely to chat to you we will be back very very soon in the meantime unwind relax enjoy the end of the triple header and we'll catch you soon Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl that's ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.